Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Uh, welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show, 203-333-9422. Joining us now is Alex Trayman, the Jerusalem Bureau Chief for the Jewish News Syndicate, which, if you want to subscribe, is free in your inbox every single day, or they are quoted and reported in a lot of other news services. He is in Jerusalem right now, and I am sure is going to tell us the latest on the news on the war in the Middle East. Alex Trayman, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks so much, Lisa. What is it, 5.30 now? Seven hours? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Seven hours, yeah. Okay. So, well, tell us today, what news stories are you filing today? What's going on? Well, there's so much. I mean, this is, uh, right. It's, right. There, you know, we, we have on the one hand uh, the dramatic domestic push inside Israel to, to try to figure out how the hostages come back. Uh, you have uh, accusations against the IDF, uh, which we're trying to discern whether they're accurate or not, uh, about whether uh, IDF opened fire on an area in which uh, Gazan civilians were trying to get uh, humanitarian aid. You have uh, infiltration attempts and uh, the sending of uh, unmanned aerial vehicles from southern Lebanon into Israel and what Israel is doing in response to that. Uh, you have the United States uh, potentially pulling its forces and infrastructure out of Iraq after numerous attacks uh, by Iranian uh, terror entities on uh, U.S. infrastructure there. You have the uh, attacks by U.S. and, and U.K. on on uh, different infrastructure and inside uh, Yemen, uh, which the Houthis are using to attack uh, commercial vessels and naval vessels in the Red Sea. So all this is going on at the same time. Yeah, there is a lot going on. I'll tell you what the latest news headline that chilled us yesterday. This is the headline that Israel is preparing for the fact that there will be, there may be women hostages that come back pregnant by Hamas rapists. 
Exactly. I saw that one as well. And uh, I'm not sure if there's specific intelligence that uh, leads Israel to to believe that that is the case, that there are. But uh, there have been numerous, numerous reports uh, that the sexual abuse and violence uh, committed against uh, the hostages, both on October 7th and since uh, captivity has has began, is, uh, is, is very real. It's very real. And I've been reading these hostage accounts of people that look away. In other words, former hostages who were saying that when they asked about the condition of the women that were being kept, people couldn't meet them in the eye, which uh, meant that they were they felt that it was confirmed that this kind of abuse was happening. And I was reading that internally in Israel, they were figuring out how to help women suffer from this trauma and be able to make a choice about whether or not to abort the baby or to keep the baby and that whatever they were going to do, they were going to be supported in that choice. Is that what you're hearing on the ground in Israel also? I mean, I saw these reports uh, and sometimes it's uh, it's not, I, I, I haven't spoken to anybody specifically to confirm what preparations are or aren't being uh, done at this point. I was, I was on a good news story that, that came out yesterday. Um, but certainly there's been numerous preparations and, and ongoing efforts to try to help uh, victims of uh, both sexual abuse and, and physical violence in captivity and, and the PTSD uh, that occurs from being held in captivity and also for, for soldiers that have been uh, injured. Uh, in war that have seen their their comrades right next to them get killed uh, and coming back uh, with significant uh, post-traumatic stress from from what they're undergoing. We we don't know what the the emotional toll, the total emotional toll of this war is going to be. So, Alex, tell me a little bit about your background. You're not speaking with much of an accent, if any. Are you an American? Well, yes, I grew up in uh, in the United States, in the, in the Northeast, in New York, New Jersey, um, but I've been living in Israel since uh, summer of 2004 and spent a lot of time here as a, a journalist, as a documentary filmmaker, and also working in the Israeli startup scene. Um, and I've been the head of uh, JNS, Jewish News Syndicate, for the last uh, six years. And tell us a little bit about the Jewish News Syndicate. What is it? Well, it's a syndication service that's been providing articles uh, about what's going on in Israel, politics, security, diplomacy, a bit of culture, uh, and also covering um, major art stories that uh, relate to Jewish concerns, particularly in the United States, which um, we've been focusing a lot on the on the uh, rapid uh, increase in all forms of anti-Semitism, from just intimidation to what's appearing on social media, what's taking place on the university campuses, uh, and also the increase in in violent anti-Semitism. Yeah, and on the ground in Jerusalem, are you, do you are you coming back and forth, Alex, or are you mostly there? Well, I'm based here, but I, I do travel uh, to the States usually several times a year. What is the morale like now in terms of, I mean, because every war has its ups and downs and sideways. Uh, and I have many, I have very close family in Israel. Uh, my son-in-law is Israeli, very close family in Israel. Um, uh, what is the morale like if you could, and if you can't generalize, maybe you can help us understand the various sections of how people are feeling and thinking about the war right now? 
Yeah, I mean, there's numerous different elements which make up the the overall uh, sense of morale. There's definitely a a unity and a common cause whereby the entire nation supports uh, the Israeli troops um, in going into Gaza in trying to completely and totally dismantle Hamas, attempt to rescue the hostages, take out Hamas's senior leadership, uh, blow up the tunnel shafts, and make sure that uh, Gaza will be a demilitarized zone. That is something that every single Israeli from left to right really agrees with. So you don't have any kind of like anti-war mentality here. They understand that this was a war that was launched uh, on Israel and that Israel has no choice uh, but to defend its its territorial integrity, its sovereignty, and its future by, by launching this war. Uh, that said, there's also uh, there is a significant fear, you know, on behalf of many Israelis um, who have loved ones that are either trapped inside Gaza as hostages, uh, have lost people uh, on October 7th. There was over 1,200 people killed and, and literally thousands injured, and also have loved ones or close friends, uh, sons, daughters, uh, husbands, brothers, sisters that are literally fighting on the front lines inside Gaza right now. Uh, tremendous uh, trepidation, people checking the news every day to see if somebody that they know or love uh, could have been uh, killed, God forbid. Uh, you know, hoping that uh, you're not really hearing about how many soldiers are getting injured. Yeah, but yesterday uh, you know, there were dozens, know. right? There, yesterday there were dozens, or was reported yesterday, maybe it was the day before, that dozens were injured in Gaza in, I think, attempting to blow up a building. I think we saw that. Well, actually, uh, 21, 21 soldiers were killed as they were trying to uh, detonate buildings, and, and they do that. The, the Soldiers Engineering Corps have been detonating buildings by planting explosives in the buildings. Uh, you know, once the explosives are set, they leave the building, they, they detonate. But uh, a Hamas uh, terrorist fired an RPG at a tank uh, that was protecting these soldiers and somehow or another, and we're not 100% sure yet how this happened, uh, when the RPG hit the tank, the, somehow or another the detonation device got tripped while the engineers who were laying the the explosives inside the building were still inside the building, and they, they were they were basically killed or trapped under, under rubble. Um, but aside from all those that are killed, and we, we have uh, close to 225 soldiers killed so far since October 7th, which compared to the 9,000 or so Hamas terrorists that uh, IDF says that they've killed so far is, is probably uh, a military, um, a, a great military um, accomplishment from, from that vantage point. But uh, for Israelis that that value the life of each one of these soldiers to the hundredth or thousandth degree, you know, it, it, it causes a toll. But in addition to those killed, you're not even hearing the reports of, of soldiers that have been injured. I mean, I personally know of soldiers that have come back with some significant injuries. Um, and so you have this, which is really weighing on, on all the Israelis. And then also like a, a big question marks about, about the military, the upper levels of the military leadership and the intelligence leadership and the political leadership, which have, uh, you know, many misconceptions that have presided here for, for decades that led us into October 7th and uh, apprehension about whether that leadership is capable of uh, finishing the job and changing the strategic picture. 
So we're chatting with Alex Trayman, who is the founder of the Jewish News Syndicate. So, and he's in Jerusalem reporting live at 203-333-9422. So Alex, to that end, we see a lot of headlines here that uh, appear to suggest that Benjamin Netanyahu, that all is not well between Netanyahu and Biden, that Netanyahu is resisting claims. I saw this morning 44 Democrats signed a letter, including our own Congressman Jim Himes, who represents the district here in Fairfield County, Connecticut. They signed a letter uh, basically uh, imploring Biden to insist on a two-state solution. And what we are hearing here is that Netanyahu does not want to even have that conversation. What is it? What are you hearing on the ground in Israel? What's going on there with respect to that? Well, you know, in the 90s, Israel got onto the track uh, toward the two-state solution with the Oslo Accords. And the whole concept was land for peace. You know, if the Palestinians could deliver peace uh, and prove that they could live side by side with Israel, that Israel would consider ceding land uh, in return and, and trying to solve once and for all the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, even if it meant giving up territory, which is uh, integral to Israel's uh, biblical history, uh, you know, and sites that, honestly, like Israel would never in any other sense would would even think of getting rid of. And uh, in 2005, along that track, Israel actually withdrew completely from the Gaza Strip. So people say that uh, Israel occupies Gaza. Israel has not occupied Gaza since 2005. There's not been one soldier or civilian inside the Gaza Strip since then. Um, And this was the pilot project for the independent Palestinian entity. And what happened? You know, the Palestinian Authority was given control of Gaza in 2005. Within a year, the Palestinian Authority lost control of the Gaza Strip. It was taken over by Hamas. Uh, and then Hamas was actually voted into power uh, by the Gazans. And since then, you haven't had any elections inside inside the Gaza Strip. And, and what Hamas has done is turned what people said could be the new Singapore of the Arab world in the Middle East, uh, you know, uh, this coastal enclave on the Mediterranean. Um, it, it turned into a terror hellhole with uh, all the money and, and equipment being funneled into Gaza, being used to, to uh, fire literally tens of thousands of rockets on Israeli population centers and to build a tunnel network uh, that might be as as long as 500 miles underground in Gaza and culminated with the attack of uh, October 7th. And in the, in the years leading up to this attack on October 7th, the you know, Israelis were really losing faith that uh, this formula of land for peace would ever be accomplished. And in, and and now, after Hamas launched the worst massacre in Israeli history uh, and, and murdered 1,200 people and, and injured thousands of others in the most barbaric way possible, uh, you know, Israelis have woken up and, and really discovered and, and concluded that uh, there, there cannot be uh, a peaceful resolution uh, to this conflict as long as the Palestinians continue to incite violence and, and incentivize violence. Uh, the murder of Jews and and to to finance that, um, and so the very idea that this worst massacre would lead now to a two state solution when the entire formula was was always meant to be land for peace when the Palestinians deliver war and to think that they're going to get land in return for that it, it's there's not even one Israeli right now I mean 
whatever, maybe there's there's some, but I would say 95% of, of Israel right now is is pretty firm that uh, that the Palestinian state is not going to be the result of what happened on October 7th. And, and it, I think that the, for Netanyahu and much of this country, they think that the, that the Biden administration and the Western Europeans that are pushing this are, are quite frankly, rather obtuse uh, right now. And it's, yeah, and, and it is causing a, a bit of a discord. So, okay, so I'm hearing you. We're chatting with Alex Trayman from the JMS and JNS, pardon me, the Jewish News Syndicate in um, Jerusalem. So, with respect to this obtuseness, because of course we're not there as Americans, and we like to skip over the bad stuff and go right to the good stuff. Uh, what is the existential solution? Is there a cold peace at the end of this war when the Israelis have decided? that they have cleaned up as much of Hamas as they are going to clean up for now. Uh, how are they going to determine in, in a military way, in any kind of a useful way for the people in Israel, how are they going to determine what happens next? Well, you know, we're still in the middle of the war, and there's not any really easy answers. But what has to happen is that the Number one, that the Palestinian people understand that uh, October 7th was a an absolutely fatal mistake uh, and that uh, that this war uh, is is won by Israel in a absolutely conclusive way. And to the extent that Hamas and the other terror organizations that that participated in that are completely defeated to the extent of humiliated, such that they understand that launching an attack like they did on October 7th will will always result in the type of uh, in the type of uh, military campaign that that Israel has launched as a result, and that such action should never be taken again. Because the only thing that that any party in this region respects is strength. And uh, as long as the Palestinians or any other entity think that they can defeat Israel some way militarily, they will attack. So Israel has no choice but to emerge as the victor of this war and the strongest player in the region. Uh, It's also important to note that really this is not a war simply between Israelis and Palestinians and has really been mischaracterized that way. If you look at what's happening now, we spoke about this a few minutes ago, Israel is being simultaneously attacked as we speak by Hamas in the Gaza Strip, by Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, and by the Houthis in Yemen. And if you Connect the dot between those three terror Iran. organizations. It's all around. They're all funded by Iran. All of and them. if you look at the, what else Iran is doing in the region, they've attacked the U.S. Uh, interests inside Iraq, inside Syria. They've, they've attacked inside last week in, in Pakistan. Uh, you see that, that Israel and, and its allies, which now include the United States and the United Kingdom, which are have been carrying out airstrikes in all of those places, uh, are fighting against Iran and its proxies. So this is a this this war has to expand, and it already has expanded past Gaza, and, and Iran has to lose this war because as long as Iran. Uh, gains by terrorizing the region. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They have to know that uh, that Israel and its allies will not tolerate uh, any of these attacks any longer. And they need to also, they need to be defeated in, in a very, very conclusive way. Uh, and, and in I think in the view of many Israelis, that means that the Islamic Republic that rules Iran uh, needs to go. And that the 
that country needs to be turned back over to its its citizens who don't really support uh, the actions of this uh, of this repressive Islamic Republic that that terrorizes the entire region as developing illicit nuclear weapons. Now, so that, that's a big part of it. And another big part of it is, you know, what's going to happen now with those living in the Gaza Strip that have had their houses and their neighborhoods destroyed. You know, in, in any war situation in modern times, which includes the civil war in Syria, in which 13 million people were displaced, and including the Russia-Ukraine war, in which 8 million people were displaced, millions of people were resettled outside of the, the war zone, and they were able to flee. And here you have a situation in which not one Gazan has been allowed, permitted to leave the war zone, despite the fact that the conditions for them are very dangerous. And, and they probably have no place left to go. And I think that that's something that needs to be solved and uh, that Gazans that, that want to uh, prepare a better future for themselves and their children might have the opportunity to leave if they, if they choose to do so. Um, but the idea that the Palestinian Authority, which lost control of Gaza to Hamas in, in 2006, would now gain control of it again uh, because the international community gives it to them, or the idea that there's going to be a Palestinian state uh, that emerges after this horrific attack, I mean, these, these are not solutions that, that Israel is going to be comfortable with. Alex Trayman, I thank you very much for coming on the show. By the way, today is a Jewish holiday in the calendar. It's called Tu B'Shvat. It's a holiday that uh, celebrates the planting of trees. I would say no state in the Middle East has been more committed to turning a desert into a Garden of Eden than Israel from its founding days to the magnificent fields and forests and everything else that didn't exist in 1947 but started existing forward in 1948. It's called Tu B'Shvat. It's one of my favorite holidays on the Jewish calendar because it's it's just all about planting trees. And I just wanted to mention that because you're in Jerusalem, which is such a magnificent city, such a beautiful city. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Alex, um, thank you very much for giving us the landscape of what's going on. We're going to invite you back periodically because because you're there and because you really see it in a very big picture in a very real way. And without a lot of the gloss that we get in the United States, which unfortunately seems to be biased with its own agenda. So we appreciate your point of view. You are there. And thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Uh, Alex Trayman from JNS, and you can find JNS.org online wherever you look, and you can subscribe to their daily newsletter. I do. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 